My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. Hey there, friends, and welcome to today's show. Today, I am joined by Anthony Ungaro. So, Anthony, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, before uh, we got started, uh, Anthony and I were talking about uh, our leadership programs. Uh, so, uh, Anthony, uh, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, let us know where your, where your program is. Uh, so currently, um, unemployed. Um, we'll probably get down, uh, down to the nitty gritty about that later on, um, depending on the conversation. So, uh, but currently unemployed, uh, but it has given me time to uh, be in my doc program, which is at Abilene Christian University. Um, it's located in Abilene, Texas. Uh, it's organizational leadership program with an emphasis in higher education, um, with kind of the unemployment. Um, and uh, knowing I was resigning from my position um, in 2017, I wanted to uh, kind of fill in that gap with education to make sure that um, during the job search process that there wasn't a huge, um, there might be a gap of experience as far as professional, um, but at least it was filled in with something that I'm still continuing to advance my professional uh, career. So um, organizational leadership, you said your background was uh, in psychology. So how did you land up uh, in an org leadership program? Uh, so the biggest reason for um, pursuing psychology, at least uh, at the get-go, was I just wanted to kind of know people. I know there's sociology and anthropology and some of the um, other fields that get into uh, human connections or kind of human functioning that I kind of wanted to know um what drove human beings and uh, just a little bit more that we don't necessarily see. Uh, and then from that, uh, I, was, I was involved heavily in my college, so um, Greek life, uh, Habitat for Humanity, and trying to do uh, service for the university that, or the college that I was at. So um, from there, I think it was just more along the lines of I want to be able to lead people, um, whether, you know, organizational leadership, I think, is a um, all-encompassing concept, um, but the biggest reason is just to make sure that um, whatever organization that I'm a part of, um, even as a follower, that I can still be able to lead, um, that I have leadership skills that I'm developing, uh, learning about what makes a good leader, a bad leader, um, and things of that nature. So um, everything I kind of do is centered around people, um, so psychology, um, and then also the organizational leadership, uh, pursuing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I think I found a lot of value in my uh, organizational leadership program for my master's uh, because like I was telling you before, I mean, we just had like people from like all over the place uh, sharing kind of their own experiences and how everything was connecting for them. But, uh, you know, similar uh, story to you, I had uh, like a kind of wide variety of undergrad experiences that like leadership was like. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, and so uh, when I got to my first class, it was like an intro to like leadership theory kind of class. And uh, my professor was like, all right, before the first class, bring an article uh, detailing some aspect of leadership, like how you would define leadership. 
And so I was like, oh, piece of cake, like authentic leadership. Uh, here we go. Uh, print off an article, read the article, ready to talk at length about why authentic leadership is the best. And then my professor like ripped me a new one um, and told me the ways in which authentic leadership could go bad and uh, as it relates to an organization. And it was it was wild. Uh, and so he like broke down everything I knew about leadership and then built it back up. So it was like this like really weird kind of intense process for me. I think that's what that's all you think about leadership is that, you know, much like you, I'm very much into authentic leadership, you know, and, you know, and I don't want to speak for you by any means, but, you know, we, we think we have like, okay, this is, this is the way it's going to be. This is, this is what leadership is, like, at least to us. And then someone, someone comes by and, you know, sleeps our feet and we're like, wait, what just, like, I thought I had the answer in leadership. Like, you know, there's as many, I guess, favorite uh, leadership styles as there is definitions of leadership and it's um it's not always something easy to process through or also trying to define. So um I think I could I think I'd be interested to hear from your teacher's perspective or your professor's perspective about um about authentic leadership because that's definitely the one I use most frequently. Yeah, and I think like their big point was um in an organization setting uh, getting too vulnerable too quick, uh, and, uh, and things like Vance, uh, like the, oh gosh, how do they describe it? Like the, you know, the being, uh, the difference between being true to yourself and then like strategically, uh, withholding certain bits as you go. Uh, and so, I mean, that kind of shoots authentic leadership in the foot a little bit, but, um, the book that we used... Yeah. Like we wanted to come to like some certain understanding about like just a, a definition of leadership to go forward. And so the book we used was uh, Joseph uh, Roast, I believe, uh, like 1991, Leadership for the 21st Century. We had to read five chapters of him like thrashing every uh, leadership theory uh, that had been out there and definition of leadership before his book came out. Uh, and then he provided his own definition of leadership. And like, that's the one we used basically throughout the whole program. I think that's, I think that's how I am similarly to higher education is, um, because my master's was in higher education. There's so much about student development theories. And, um, for me, especially going into uh, the job search process, that is still very, uh, I guess salient in the job search process is, you know, what theory do you uh, most prescribe to and things like that. And, um, I just don't know if I can prescribe to one. Um, I just, I think being in the millennial generation, there's a lot of talk about, you know, we don't like labels and um, things like that, things of that nature. And uh, I'm very much into human connection and things like that. So um, I don't want to read a book. I don't want to look at a theory. I want to talk to a student and see who they are um, and not trying to associate them to a different theory. So same thing with leadership. Um, you know, authenticity is very big, and I probably use that in every job interview. Um, but I think it's super important for me. So, um, you know, it's hard to prescribe to and say authentic leadership, but, you know, I'm not. 
I don't know. I'm not heavily involved in theories, and I think that's kind of hard for me, kind of puts me behind the summer stuff. No, I think, uh, so I don't have a higher ed, like, I work in higher ed, but didn't have a higher ed background, and so when I got that question in my interview, I was like, oh, um, yeah, great question. And I stumbled around some way, but I basically said some iteration of what you've just said about uh, kind of human connection, kind of getting to know the student, uh, the whole bit about authenticity. I mean, that's what it's all about because I mean, no, you, we can't, there's probably a theory named for it out there somewhere, uh, that I just haven't, uh, taken the time to read, but, um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think there's a theory for everything. If you, um, yeah, that's right. Look hard enough or, Someone's probably come up with something. So, although one day I'm gonna look for it, and just in case they haven't come up with it, uh, we'll write a paper and get it published, and then it'll be our theory. Yeah, see, and then, then we can be those people years from now that are, you know, people like, oh, like I remember this theory in class, and you know, people, you know, I think that's kind of cool. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so, uh, you talked about resigning from your previous position and we had talked a little bit about uh, previous leadership and your thoughts on student affairs in general uh so i'm wondering if you would mind sharing that um yeah so it's it's might be a very long response on some um it's something I usually, that's all right we got plenty of time okay um something i usually share um i think with most people um I like to consider myself a unique professional. I think we all want to be unique somehow. And I think that either goes down to how we look, how we act, things like that. But I think within the scope of higher education, um, there's a lot of same, sameness. In a previous, um, disagreement with a professional, um, I had when I was still at uh, my previous institution, uh, I, we were having, it was during the interview process to hire on, I think it was, uh, another professional entry level staff member. And I brought up the word housing drone, which was not meant to be disrespectful, but some way for me to explain that. Um, and I guess it can be a higher, higher education drone as well. Um, but within higher education, there's always a lot of just doing what leaders say you're supposed to do or things like in class. Uh, you know, or just other mentors in the field, you hear a lot of, you know, don't make, don't make any waves in the field because it's a small field and you don't want to either be casted out or, um, you don't want to have a target on your back. And I think it depends on what institutions you've been at and what experience you've had. Mine, mine have unfortunately been more negative. So, so that's kind of where my mindset comes from, but I've always made it, an, uh, I've always made it a point to be as, when I say unique, I mean as, I guess for lack of a better term, more controversial. Um, and that, and I explain it in a way as saying what needs to be said when it needs to be said, no matter who's listening. Or as, uh, I had a faculty member at a new professional institute I went to, um, and she said, uh, what was it? The quote was, uh, say the unsayable. Um, I think a lot of higher education, a lot of people, even when things are going wrong, um, in my case, when there's a toxic, and I call it toxic leadership, um, happening in your department, um, that I try to do my best to call it out 
um, whether it does put a target on my back or not. I've seen too many people in the field just look the other way, not say anything because it's their job. Or people, again, in class are just, um, or mentors have said, don't do anything because it's going to create a problem. And it's turned into everyone just kind of walks a straight line, does what they need to. And I don't think there's a lot of development in higher education when uh, people can't be held accountable and you can't really, you can't really develop everything if everyone has the same, the same mindset. So I don't know. I think that's something I've prided myself on and that's the reason I resigned. Um, after kind of doing what I could, saying what I had to say, you know, not a lot can always be done because being an entry level position, you don't always have the power to really change very much. And, um, based on certain relationships, uh, some people's leadership, regardless of its, uh, toxicity level, um, still might be, I don't want to say swept under the rug, but, uh, the relationships, they see, they see one side. Um, of the leadership when it's um, a two-sided coin. So I could go into more detail. I don't know how much detail you want um, as far as the previous position. It's interesting, right? Because uh, I've heard that same thing, like don't rock the boat because, you know, same like the small field, all of that. Uh, and I just think like, I think sometimes uh, I try to be as bold as I can be uh, and like toe the line, like take it to a point of pressure where something changes uh, rather than like getting fired. Uh, and so um, f- when I first started, everybody kind of viewed me as like the energizer guy, like the guy who uh, was uh, funny, cordial, likable, uh, and could get everybody pumped up. But now I'm kind of like a rebel. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'll like not like I'm not trying to be anybody's best friend, but like I'll politely like suggest things. Um, and I actually got a coworker sent me this, uh, assessment and it's basically like, uh, what kind of rebel are you? Uh, uh, and I'll have to send you the link, uh, just in case you've never seen it before, because, um, I think you'd find it interesting. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, but it's like this, uh, I don't know, it's this thing where, like, if there's, if there's, like, obvious things that are becoming challenges to the work, uh, or a detriment to the student, uh, or a detriment to the team, like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something. Yeah, and I think that's hard, especially, uh, as you said, like, even you were told it, um, and I think, you know, it's, that's such a common thing to hear. Um, you know, we, you know, in leadership, you want to, um, you want to guide people in the right direction. You want to make sure that your team is strong and that they, you know, it's, I forgot the quote, but, um, you want to make the environment, what was it? Something about you want to make the environment good so they don't want to leave rather than something, something along those lines. I wish I, I wish I could know the quote by, um, verbatim, but, and that just wasn't the case anymore. It was, um, bad decisions, poor treatment. Um, in my case, um, I write for the Student Affairs Collective, which is kind of like a, it's like the, they're, they're the ones who, um, facilitate the essay chat, um, on, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. So, um, I write for them not as much anymore because of 
I program, but a lot of, I write a lot of, um, what one of their editors, uh, coined essay pro itchery. Um, so a lot of my poetry or pro itchery, um, centers around, uh, higher education issues. Um, so things like Greek life and uh, the difference between the word fraternity and the word frat and what it does. Um, there is another post that I wrote about being quiet. So, um, there's an, uh, I forgot. It's a, it's a poet. It's a poem pretty much about like what it means to stay silent and things inside a higher ed environment. Um, and then the thing that got me, uh, I don't want to say enemies, but, uh, but the thing that got me, I guess, um, water, um, with the department, um, and the reason I left the position leader there, um, was a poem on toxic leadership. So, um, as you can see, I'm not, I'm not someone who likes to stay quiet. Um, that's something needs to change, kind of like you said. Um, kind of got to be the one outspoken. If everyone else is uh, silent and sitting behind you, I'd rather be the one uh, standing up, even if it's even if it's alone. And I think there's another quote for that, something about do what's right, even if you're standing alone or something like that. Yeah, there's uh, there's um, I'm trying to think of the uh, author. Um... Because like I told you before, I'm uh, a bit of a, a leadership nerd, and uh, being in this master's program was probably the thing I needed to start reading more books. Uh, and uh, there's work by, like, uh, Ron Heifetz. Uh, there's uh, a book that's not by him. Uh, it's by another guy whose name escapes me right now, but uh, Leadership BS is the name of the book. Uh, and based off of our conversation so far, I think you'd really like that book. So, you know, years down the road when you got some free time uh, to read for leisure again. Yeah. I'm, work- I'm working towards that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually listened to the audiobook because I, I'm like, I don't have time to read. Because um, that was during my master's program as well. But it's like uh, all of these authors that um, talk about uh, finding kind of those, uh, pressure points and then how to regulate, uh, pressure around things that need to change or things that need to be addressed and, um, you know, finding kind of strategic partners in helping you, uh, navigate them and things like that. And I think that that's where I've found, I try to find wherever I'm at, um, even if it's not in my own department, I try to find people that can be like my sounding board, uh, just to be like, Hey, so the crazy idea, here's what's going on, give them the full context and then be like, all right, this is what I want to try just to see if I'm sounding crazy or not. <laughs> uh, and, uh, generally when I can like get it past at least one or two people, then I'll take it to my direct supervisor, uh, and be like, hmm, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, and then usually I'll get a weird look or a thumbs up and then, um, start my rebel, 
my rebel work. Yeah, and I, I had a good uh, direct supervisor in my previous position, so um, she was definitely able to challenge me and kind of be like, you know, maybe this is um, maybe just in your head and things like that because, um, you know, me not being the leader of the organization, I don't always see its uh, impact, you know, institutionally, you know, as a whole. Um, so there's definitely times I'm like, oh, you know, maybe this isn't that big of a deal and um, right. definitely push back on some things. But there was definitely things that um, needed attention that, um, you know, if my, if my direct supervisor was in support, uh, you know, you can't always fight two people with a system or um, someone above, you know, as far as leadership um authority so it's um, it's not always easy to process kind of you know how do I say it without you know without that target you know I don't mind having a target and I think that kind of goes into um, part of my identity as well you know I'm a white man so it's um, you know as far as that compared to other stereotypes that um, other identities get when they speak up and um, you know, that can be a whole, probably another conversation. Right. Uh, whole other podcast know, but, episode. Yeah. But for me, like, you know, it's easy to put that target on my back because based on my outward identity, it's, you know, I'm kind of almost afforded that privilege of, you know, oh, he's saying what he wants. Like, oh, that's a good, you know, it's a good, it's a good point. But if someone else were to say it, it's like, oh, they're angry. Right. Or, you know, you know, they're a bitch, you know, things like that. So it's, um, it's kind of hard to find that. How am I supposed to speak up and when is it not my, when is it not my place to, but no one's doing it either way. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not always easy. Yeah. And it gets to a point where it gets frustrating. Yeah. If, you know, if I'm the only one running into battle, you know, I don't. You know, I don't live in the matrix. I can't really dodge all the bullets. Right. So. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I feel like I need to redirect in a happier on a happier note. Oh yeah, <laughs> we can go. Yeah, we can go in any direction. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of many colors, so it's I have no no problem switching that up. So. um we're both in this uh, Facebook group, Higher Ed Entrepreneurs and Side Hustlers. So I am uh, assuming you have some something in the works, something that you're already doing. Um, I think it was more, um, I've sent, I can't remember if that was the group. There's one group I left. Um, yeah, feel free to call me crazy if it's not the group. <laughs> No, it's this a group we, we met in, and I think um, I won't say I have anything in the work. I'm still trying to stay in higher education. Sure. Um, I've had a lot of people who have met on the conferences and stuff say they need someone like me. Um, not that I'm not that I'm the god savior of everyone, right? Um, but just because a lot of people do see the sameness, or um, you know, the people. And I don't want to take this negative again. So, but I'll, I'll do a quick, like, a lot of people at conferences who, 
you know, whether a grad student or professional, things like that, and they see a VP and they're like, oh, I need to talk to them because they want something. It's not always an authentic conversation. It's like, right. this person's at this level. What can I do with them? And I have friends from all different, you know, calm leadership levels. Um, but it's because I have a relationship. I'm not asking anything from them. Um, and I don't, I don't want to. Um, so, but with that and kind of that, that mindset and wanting to uh, call out any injustices or kind of talk about um, changing higher ed as much as possible so that it's more functional for for the people and just not so in the news about these things that are happening and these things are happening on campus. Um, a lot of people have said, like, we need someone with your, not blatant, but, uh, like, more blunt, non-sugar-coated uh, presence that's still professional. I can still say it in a professional tone or professional manner. You know, like we, you know, we need more like you in the field so that, you know, we're not battling people who don't want to say anything. So, um, so in a long, very long explanation of what I'm trying to get to, um, I'm still trying to stay in higher education and, uh, the side hustlers, um, entrepreneurs group was more of just trying to find, I think find more personal, find more personal answers. Um, I think it was more of an exploration of, um, you know, if I did want to create something in the future, what does that look like? Um, is higher ed for me? Um, I'm still trying to stay in it, but, um, the more interviews I don't continue in the process and, uh, the rejection side of it becomes more and more, uh, increasingly difficult. So, um, cause I'm, a, I'm going on, I'm coming up to about a year and a half of unemployment, and that's um, constant job searching, uh, applications. Um, so uh, that group was more of just trying to find, I guess, just answers that I, the questions that I've had in my head. Yeah. I didn't really know where else to go. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, in the job search process, are you uh, location bound right now or not? Uh, I'm trying to stay within, um, probably like seven or eight hours of home. Uh, so Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, you know, east side of Kansas and Nebraska. Um, when I was in Oklahoma, I was there for four years and then I was at KU. Uh, doing my master's for two. And I think I went home like once every year for the six years. Um, and I got a, there was a lot of disconnect from my family that, um, I guess was unwarranted. You know, I wanted to make my own path. I wanted to do my own thing. Um, but I did a lot of pushing. Um, so my reason for kind of being within a drivable area is kind of just to be, to make sure that I'm kind of closer back to home. Um, so, and previously I wasn't looking at residential life. Um, I've had a lot of positive experiences with leadership in residential life, so I've been trying to avoid it, but, uh, as much as the field says they're willing to look at your experiences and they're like, oh, you know, it's transferable skills, um, there's still a lot of pigeonholing 
just based on your prior experiences. So yeah. I started I started to switch my job applications to residential life more than other ones. So they're just kind of disheartening, but um, if I want to serve people, then it shouldn't matter where I'm doing it. Yeah. Where, uh, so what functional areas have you been uh, looking at besides residential life? Um, I do some, I did a lot of LGBT work in Oklahoma. Um, so if there's any LGBT resource center type positions, uh, I've applied a couple of those. Um, academic advising. Um, I do look at leadership sometimes, depending on it, um, just because it's still an area I'm developing um, and learning now. Um, though it would be good to apply to it. Um, it's just not something that I feel like I'm the expert or I'm comfortable doing yet. So um, that identity or that part of me is still in development. But um, but I think residential life and um, things like that. So um, I've kind of cut out a few just because of I wasn't getting anything no matter how many I applied to. So I just want to make sure my skills and energy are going to something that uh, could, could be fruitful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my career development brain is like working uh, overtime right now. And so uh, I've got a few links I think I'm going to send you. Uh, I appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, because uh, that person at that conference was right. Uh, you know, you you need to be in the field. And, you know, if uh, my uh, short time looking at your uh set to private Facebook feed, uh, seeing, uh, your desire for our serving people and being authentic. I mean, I think that there's like enough, uh, I don't know. I can't say I've experienced it too much, but I've seen the pettiness that can happen. Uh, I've seen like the, the fakeness that can happen in, uh, in higher ed and, yeah, there's just, there's definitely a need for more people like you. So don't give up. No, I, I appreciate that. And I think that, I think that's hard to stomach too, is because I got into the field because I was like, oh, you can be yourself here. And it's like, people can have tattoos or people can do whatever. And it's so accepting, um, you know, but I, I didn't, I don't think I was prepared, uh, and I don't know if there's a statistic anywhere, but like that turnover in higher ed and how many people actually leave it. Um, and I don't know if that, that boils down to leadership um, and who's doing what, or if it's personal management of time. I burnt myself out a few times just because I, you know, went, I guess, for a lack of a better term, balls to the wall um, for student development and trying to be, for, be there for students and you know, spend my time around students and students, students, students. Um, but I don't know. I think I don't think I was prepared for um, what my leadership would look like um, and how much um, not how much work I have to do because I don't mind um, doing work. That's something my mom my mom taught me is to have a strong work ethic. So it's not the work. Um, but just almost sometimes how many times you have to do it alone. Um, when you don't think that, you know, you're still on the team. Um, 
that sometimes you need to be your own personal leader and figure out what path you need to take in higher ed or um, how do you help a student population or, you know, how do you advocate against the department, you know, and I don't want, I don't want to mean that in a controversial term, um, but how do you be that unspoken silent leader that the department needs, but, um, you know, so I think it's difficult. Yeah, especially if you don't have, uh, yeah, if you're doing it alone, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. Uh, I've, I've been blessed with a, with a good team and, uh, people who, uh, are motivated to make a change if they need to. And, um, yeah, it's gotta be so frustrating. And so I'm sorry that you've had, uh, you've had so much struggle with this toxic leadership stuff. Yeah. And I think it, it improved towards the end. Um, you know, if any of my uh, previous colleagues ever listened to this, you know, it's, I think there was a lot of, uh, maybe negative perceptions on my part that I created um, just because, I, you know, you want to see someone succeed so much, you know, when you see a family member, you're like, ooh, I really want them to do this and their life might be falling apart and I don't want to make that extreme, but um, you want to see things succeed so you get really passionate about certain things and, um, you know, at some point I just start isolating myself and trying to, you know, I'm going to do what's good for my hall and the relationship started to suffer um, but once relationships start rebuilding, um, and the leader, that's kind of the center of all the issues. Um, I think that's when it kind of pushed us more together. Um, you know, I've always been very outspoken, so I always felt like I needed to be, um, they were still supportive and, you know, there was a good conversation that I think once people started kind of finding their own reason that it was negative or it was their own they found their own toxicity and what was being created. Um, there was definitely good conversations and a lot of support. Um, so it could also have been just my own personal, you know, I've said things in the past. I've always been that person. Maybe I need to do it again, or maybe I need to be that person to protect everyone else. Um, so, you know, leadership's not always about leading people. Sometimes it's about protecting them. Um, you know, it eventually got to a point I needed to just resign for mental health reasons and wanted to make sure that in the future I wasn't a bad leader because I took on so much, I guess, leadership virus, I guess you can call it, or coin it. Um, you know, I don't want to become infected too much, I guess. No, yeah. I've seen uh, people just uh, drown in the negativity uh, and then they uh, just stay there. Um and it's really hard to get yourself out of a hole like that. Yeah. So at this point, it was kind of I had to do. I had to resign. I didn't want to just because you know everyone tells you, hey, you need to look for a job before you get rid of a job. So it's. But I think I had to. I think it was, uh, it was the right time, and just just for me, because me and the individual were no longer uh, on good terms. They ignored me. Um, there's some other behaviors that I don't want to get too deep on just because of um, certain certain issues. And we can probably talk um, offline about it, but um, things that I didn't think a leader would do. So um, I think it, I think it's also helpful to see kind of the toxic leadership to figure out 
okay, when I lead an organization, where do I, where do I stand? What role do I play? How do I treat people? What not to do type of thing. So it's not always bad. And I think this year, 2019, is definitely going to, um, path in the right direction as far as me trying to process my thoughts and become a more positive person overall. So even my relationships continue and that those relationships that might happen in toxicity or certain apartments start from the get go. And it's not waiting for me to kind of catch up and kind of figure things out on my own. So trying to do that now. Yeah. I, um, man, it, it reminds me of this, uh, this thing that we have a, we have a new, well, she's not new anymore. She's been there for a, over a year now. Um, but we got a new vice president of student life, uh, at the institution I work at. And, uh, we had just had a staff retreat the last couple of days and she said, uh, something along the lines of, um, gosh, I'm going to butcher the quote and then she's going to listen to this and get mad at me for butchering the quote. Um, <laughs> Hopefully you don't. Uh, bring me no, no. Uh, so she said something along the lines of uh, when you uh, get to the level of uh, being the chief student uh, affairs officer, it's not, it's no longer about being right. It's about getting it right. And, yeah. uh, finding the people who like help you get there. And so <clears throat> this entire time we've been talking, that's like been like replaying over in my head. So if, uh, if you could give, uh, any, if you could give any words of advice to people who are struggling now with, uh, toxic leaders, uh, whether they're in higher ed or not, what would you say to them? I think that's what it's a good question. I think it's also a hard question just because it's, um, the old me would have been, you know, you gotta fight for what you need to do. You need to steamroll through it and just, you know, fight the power, you know? Um, but I think spending some time with my thoughts and figuring out the previous situation I'm in, um, I think the first step is definitely finding a support system. That's something that took me time to realize that, you know, I do have colleagues, I do have people I'm working with, um, but if I only put, you know, if I'm putting the department on my back, you know, who is that actually helping? Um, so what took me time to do was understand the value of other people. I was so much, um, putting the department on my back and thinking that I had to do everything just because my perception of other people is that, you know, they're not doing a lot, you know, they might not care or, you know, their job is more important than their students. Um, so, you know, when you're in a toxic environment, you know, the whole environment's toxic, not just, um, not just what you see. So you have no idea what they're dealing with. You have no idea their perceptions. So I think, in that toxic environment, finding a support system and really finding out what other people think, um, how they can support you, um, and developing a plan together, um, is vital because it's not, it's not just your fight. Um, 
you know, especially being in the residential life area, you know, we have students living with us, I think 24 seven, 365 is what we had. So if you're fighting that all by yourself, 24 seven, 365, you become very fatigued. You might be one of the people who turns over in the field. Um, but when you find people who are like, you know, I don't, I have an issue with this too. I've been struggling with how to, um, you know, address my supervisor or, you know, how do I talk to my supervisees about their position when I don't agree with the decision that's made. So it's, um, it creates a huge, I guess, aura of darkness and just negativity. So I think making sure that you take care of yourself and find other people because you're not in it alone um, is super important. And that kind of goes down into just because you're a leader doesn't mean you can't also be a follower or doesn't mean you can't all be leaders. Um, you know, there's different times and different skill sets call for different times. So um, you need to be able to be adaptable and someone else is greater at being more outspoken, let them do it. If someone's good at writing a report or um, recording certain issues and keeping a log of the things that are happening in your department um, or organization as a whole, um, just making sure you know people's skill sets and that comes from developing relationships. So um, I think that's something I underutilized um, when I was in my previous position is the value of other people. So um, in short, uh, depending on what you actually need to hear, um, is this value other people, find that support system, um, reach out to people, um, whether it's your support system or someone outside, just to kind of vet those, you know, this is what's happening, what is your, what is your take, so mentors, other people in the field, um, and then again, don't always take it on yourself, because um, it's a total burnout. Um, and it could become overwhelming if you don't prepare yourself. That's great advice. Uh, I mean, I know that uh, finding my uh, my support people, I have a couple uh, at the institution I work at, uh, and I had to make sure to find people outside. Um, like I, uh, I think I equated it to, to civilian life, as if higher ed uh, life is uh, so different. Uh, and sometimes it is. Well, I think it, yeah, I think sometimes it, it is a little bit different. You know, in, in society, if you see something wrong, you know, we either call the police or we tell an adult, you know, for kids. Um, so there's a lot of, um, you know, the way society tells us to act. I think we almost forget sometimes in higher ed, even though it's supposed to be a more inclusive and uh, developmental areas upon a, like on a college campus. Um, but then as professionals, um, we almost forget that because we're trying to protect something. We to protect ourselves, protect our position. Um, and I think that last, the last word of advice is uh, just don't be afraid to do the work. Um, because it's toxic for you doesn't mean it's not toxic for other people. So you know, if you don't have that support system, if you don't even have a support group or you're not friends with your colleagues, um, you know, don't, don't sneakily do it, but definitely find 
people who are having similar experiences just so, um, you know, maybe sometimes you aren't, just to see that you aren't alone. Um, and don't be afraid to do the work because if, um, again, if you're doing it alone and other people are having the same problem, you know, you might be helping them out in the long run. You might be helping out a student who comes into contact with a leader who, you know, the student might be the next GP 20 years down the line. You know, you never know. So, um, and leaders need to be held accountable. Uh, I don't think leaders think they're supposed to be or, you know, they're untouchable. Because, you know, as we talked about earlier, um, you know, we talked about don't ever, don't make a lot of waves and things like that. So when that's the natural course, and common thing I've always said when you become a leader of a certain caliber, it's, well, this isn't, you know, I'm untouchable. This isn't going to happen to me or things like that. So, um, also don't be afraid to do the work and speak up because, uh, leaders should not be invincible. Uh, they're still, still required to learn and be held accountable just like anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Anthony, I think I've uh, I think I've taken up enough of your time. Anthony, thank you uh, so much for being on the show with us today. It's been a pleasure. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. Absolutely, uh, listeners. Thank you for tuning in today as well. Uh, you can follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe to our mail list uh, at my website www.jakespeaks.org, or you can just follow me on Twitter at mc leadership guy. Until next time, take care.